Morning, Salt City. Thank you. My name is Rob Watson. I'm one of the elders here. Um, my wife and I, Kathy, have been a part of Salt City since the beginning. Um, quite honestly, even before it began. I'll tell you that in a second. Um, happy Father's Day to you. As Drew said earlier, it, I pray that today helps fathers, but also helps non-fathers. Because it is a picture of our Heavenly Father. This day, really, we should rename it for the Heavenly Father's Day for us as followers of Christ. Um, and I hope that is the, the, the flavor of the morning as we study the scripture together. One of the hats that I love to wear is, is a dad. I love being a dad. So Kathy and I have two boys, uh, a couple of extra boys that hang out with us all the time, uh, that just hang out at the house, um, extensions of our family. And when, when our boys were thinking about college a handful of years ago, Iowa State just, just jumped out of uh, everywhere. And, and really it was because of the salt company. Uh, we had seen people in our family and our friends' networks being changed by Christ through salt. And then we saw that, that salt was a part of a, of a church that was serious about reaching out to college students and discipling them and helping them grow and mature and giving them leadership opportunities. And, and that changed everybody. And then we saw that they were not just a, a, a church network that said, hey, we're going to stay in Ames. We're going to plant other churches at other places. And so we started saying, hey, if it ever comes to Minneapolis, we're in. We actually had that conversation. If Minneapolis comes to be a site for a salt plant, salt city church, we're in. Very truly, we loved this church before it was born. And that can only happen because of God, God's perspective. And in a very similar way, we loved our boys before they were born. You'll get to know that as you go and go through life. But we loved them before they were born. We were excited to be parents. We, we married kind of after college, uh, later um, than, than others, but certainly not too late to have kids. And, and it was always a passion to say, hey, how can we... How can we raise kids? What does that mean? I can't do it on my own, though, and I've realized that for 25 years. There's no way we could do that on our own. And Kathy and I are really, I would say, a, um, a great partnership. And I, and I hats off to those families that, that don't have that opportunity but have to do it by themselves. Nate, as you're raising four kids here and Jenna's raising three kids there, you're doing it separately. You're doing it together. I, hats off, man. That's, that's ridiculously good. Um, but it also points to the idea that we can't do this on our own. Hopefully that's a theme you'll see today. Did I say that I love being a dad? <laughs> I love coming home after work. And we had a, a, a garage underneath, a tuck under garage, so I'd walk up kind of two half flights of stairs. When I got to the landing, our boys would stand up on top and they jumped seven, seven steps right into my arms. And they went back up, and they jumped. And, they, and I, we did it for like 10, 15 minutes every night. Favorite time of the day. It was unbelievable. I, watched, I loved watching VeggieTales with the kids and then acting out some of the scenes afterwards. Uh, I loved playing in the backyard. I loved raking leaves and making piles so I could throw the boys in the leaves. Um, I loved that, that as they got older, um, they, they could then tease me back and grow and mature and Kathy and I would say, we loved every stage of life. Every stage from infancy to toddlership to, to little kid school. And, 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 but we missed the, the, the season before, but we loved the next season. And I could only picture 
the, the idea that God says the same thing about us. And he loves to see us grow and mature. And, and one of our greatest joys is to see them in a place where they own their own faith. They're walking with Christ on their own. That is amazing. I would say that you need to know, though, that I'm not perfect. I gave you good examples of how I thought I did it well. Let me give you a couple of examples of maybe not so well. Um, I'm not perfect. I remember when Josh was two weeks old. What father would see his son crying on the couch and run, go get a camera to take the picture of the cutest kid crying ever? Me. That's what I did. What son would, what father would um, intentionally hit his kid with a dodgeball? That was me. And I was pretty good at it. I will say, uh, um, we had this little game, little ball dodgeball, and it's a, it's a baseball-sized styrofoam ball. And we had a flat yard in our first house. And so I'd get across the street, and they'd, they'd do their little dance. And this is when they're four, five, right? Josh, Josh is not here, but he's the culprit, actually. Um, so they were, they were running across the, the, the yard, and I'd throw these balls at them, and I'd miss them intentionally. They were close enough that, that as a dad, you know you can hit them most of the times. And I'm, I was actually pretty good at throwing a baseball, so I could do that. But I'd miss them on purpose. Then they started getting a little cocky. And Josh would, and he's five or six, and he's not very fast. The boys aren't very fast. They're slow. They're hiding behind trees that are like this wide, and they're doing one of this. And, and so they're going back and forth, and then all of a sudden Josh says this. He goes, you can't get us because you're bald. <laughs> what is that about? So I, after I stopped laughing, I laughed like you guys. And yes, I am bald. I've been bald for a long time, but I'm proud. So... Uh, so I picked up the next ball, and I said, okay, I'll show them that I can hit them. So I hit them a couple of times. It stung a little bit, and then I laughed. Then they realized, oh, I guess this has nothing to do with your baldness, Dad. That's pretty good. So I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. And... But God has taught us so much, and it's an amazing journey. Um, but we, we really needed to know, and I think God's blessing to us was that he showed us beforehand that I didn't have it all locked in because I saw my dad. I saw my dad do some amazing things. And we played catch. We did so many great things, but he wasn't perfect. Nothing against my dad. It's just reality, right? So Kathy's dad wasn't perfect. And so we walked in kind of with our eyes, like, where do we go? Well, where do we go? We go to scripture, right? That's where God's wisdom is um, so true and so real and practical. Turn if you can, if you have your Bible on your phone or whatever, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read some verses that helped us tremendously in getting in the preparation and the mindset on how to pass on what we had to our children. I'll read starting in verse 4 through verse 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall walk, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets on your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Moses starts with, here, listen. 
Listen up, Israelites. Well, let's take a look at the context right here. Deuteronomy 6 comes after Deuteronomy 5. Shocker. And Deuteronomy 5 is the list of 10 commandments that God had given to his people on how to develop a culture and a family and a life to be his people. And also, very immediately, they are camped. Whole group of people from the Israelite captivity, after captivity, they're camped east of the Jordan River, ready to go into the promised land. After spending 40 years wasting time because of sin. They could have taken the promised land 40 years ago. But they blew it and didn't obey. They didn't follow God's commands. Go in and take the, the town. They lacked faith. And so they're sitting there and they're trying to realize, what do we do? The whole generation that was in Egyptian captivity had died off. And so it's a younger generation. And only Jacob and Caleb, I'm sorry, Joshua and Caleb were the only two living that were going to take that promised land. Even Moses was sitting on the, on the east side of the river knowing he was not going to partake in the promised land because of his previous sin. He basically had months to live. He knew he was going to die. And what does he do? He says, hey, I got stuff to tell you. I got to remind you of God's good commands to live and follow. That's what it's all about. A friend of mine, a friend of uh, Scott's, a guy named Jack Lee, just passed away after... Four years of battling ALS. It's a horrible way to die. And yet he died well. Because those whole four years, even though he followed Christ for the previous 20, and he wanted to make Christ known, for those four years he was so serious about proclaiming, listen up, God has good things for you. He scheduled breakfast, lunch, and dinners. He, he shot a video. He would tell people, you need to know Christ. You need to know God's law and commands. They're good for you. He, like Moses, was like the grandfather saying, listen up, I got some really important things to say. So when Kathy and I found this, like, this, this is good stuff. Let's, what does it say? Well, verse 5 says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. With you. Starting and obeying God's command starts with love. Love God with everything you have. Now, that doesn't mean you have everything, Right? You don't have everything. You need him to provide that to you. But love God with everything you have. And that's where it starts. Because you can't train up a child in the way he should go. You don't have love. And it starts with the love of the Heavenly Father. How hard is this? <laughs> it's impossible. And the older I get, the easier it is for me to see how impossible it is. There's always something that entices me away. A baseball game on TV an article on a website, sin, anger in my heart, bitterness, whatever, lust, that distracts me. And Lord, I, I ask your forgiveness for that. But let's take the next step and let's go back to loving God with everything that we have. That's what Moses is saying. Start with love. How do we do that? What's the next step? I think, I think it's pretty logical that the next step then is how do you love God? Well, you got to get to know him. And how do you get to know him? You read his word. You study it. Uh, you, you have daily intake. Again, don't hear me saying that I did it daily. I don't. I, I didn't. I wish I could say for the last 25 years I read the scripture every single day. But 
I did try to memorize it, and I, I, I still need to memorize it. And that's what he says, write God's word on your heart. It's a command. Study it. Love God with everything you have. Write it on your heart. And before you memorize it, sometimes you might say, well, how do, how do I honor that command? How, am I, how can I be forced to love somebody? Therefore, how can I memorize his word if I don't love him? How, you know that little mindset we get into? How, how can I love you even though you tell me I'm supposed to, but I don't want to? Never. There's a story that we uh, illustrates this for us and our family. It was really cool. I don't know, about 15 years ago, there was a Korean children's choir that was uh, traveling across North America, and they stayed at our church for a, a couple of days for a performance, and we hosted two boys and a conductor for about five days, and they were great kids, respectful, thoughtful, nice, kind, uh, working on their English and singing. They were great, but they were really homesick, and they were missing their food, their home cooking, right? And so we had a Chinese neighbor, really thoughtful lady, says, hey, I got some Chinese, uh, Korean food that they would love. So she brought over some kimchi. Raise your hand if you've ever had kimchi. All right, so you know what I'm talking about. Awesome. It smells up this entire room. It smelled up our house. It is, hold on. I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to be the American ugly guy. But it is eye-opening, nasal clearing, and throat coughing type of smell. <laughs> it's got it all. You open it up, and it floods the whole space. And, and we're just wondering... And yet those kids devoured it. So much so that the conductor, um, the adult had to portion it out so they could enjoy it for three days as opposed to one day. And they killed it. They loved it. And so Kathy says, did they love it their whole life? Like when they were kids? And the conductor says, oh, no, they hated it. We just kept giving it to them. We just kept giving them kimchi. One of the ways to learn to love God is to keep doing it and by by repeating ingestion of God's word, even the hard stuff, even the hard stuff. How many of you found a passage in the Bible that really doesn't sit right with you? And if you don't raise your hand, you're lying. There's some hard things in there. Okay, that's all right. Take a breath. Keep reading. Keep memorizing. Keep writing it on your heart. And it starts with you, right? And that's okay. Keep ingesting the kimchi. Eventually, you'll love it. Now, I haven't done it. I don't like kimchi. I'm not going to do it. That's not my deal. All right. I can't really know. As, as I memorize God's word, I, I'll get to know God more. It's how he reveals himself, his character to us. It also gives me wisdom. I can be really stupid and selfish and thoughtless. And the more I read God's word, it's just, it teaches me and it changes me. They're good. Even his commands are good. The commands that are hard are still good because they come and they emanate from his character. That's where they come from. Psalm 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Not only are they good, they're perfect. The rest of the verse says, it revives my soul. I love being happy. I love having a smile on my face. I love having a good day in the sunshine or, you know, having fun, throwing dodgeballs at my kid, whatever it is. And while that's fun, it doesn't revive me. God's word revives me. And they're also good for me. 
It changes my mindset. It, it shows me the best way to live. They, they, teach, they teach me how to talk to others even when others offend me. They teach me how to forgive people when they sin against me. They teach me how to be joyful even when life stinks and you have bad circumstances like ALS. I've never seen a more joyful man than my friend Jack in his last four years of his life as he's battling one of the most humanly challenging circumstances. But God's word revived his soul. He knew where he was going. He knew the God of the universe had him. We need God's commands. Absolutely, we need them. There are guidelines for us. How many of you watched the Kentucky Derby last month? Okay, not many of you. <laughs> That's okay. I'm going to tell you about it. That's okay. Justify one, so don't have to go back, and that was a spoiler. But the Kentucky Derby is in Lexington, Kentucky at Churchill Downs, and it's an oval dirt track a mile long. The, the width of the track is 79, 80 feet, give or take. But you know what they never talk about? What's on the inside of the track? Do you guys know what's on the inside of the track? And I'm not talking about the grassy field or where all the parties are. The inside of the track, there's a fence, a guardrail. There's a, there's a guardrail on the outside of the fence too. They are the commands that allow horses to participate in a fair way and to succeed and, and to thrive. Horses with jockeys without guardrails will cut each other off. They'll, they'll shave off an, uh, a tenth of a mile. They'll cut across the grass to win the event. We need, just like horses need guardrails on a horse track, you and I need guardrails and the guardrails of God's commands. Moses is saying, write them on your heart. Live by them. And then what he says is, it's not just about memorizing, it's passing it on. So there's a beautiful section, and this is where parenting comes in. But it really, again, parenting starts with us, right? Memorize it and pass it on. Keep talking about it. I love the words that, that Moses gives us. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Every time you can, wherever you can. When it comes up, when somebody else brings it up, use the segue. Because you've already written it on your heart, you can pass on the truth of God's commands and worth. Because they're good and they're good for us, they're worthy to pass on. They bring life. They revive our children's souls as well. In a simplified way, Moses is telling the Israelites and us, write it on your heart, pass it on. Teach and talk of them regularly. Is there a spot in your life that you can consider where it would not be appropriate to talk about God's truth? No, never. Brushing teeth, car rides, plane rides, fishing, dealing with sinful behavior. You got it. It's pretty easy, right? It's not rocket science. It's, it's every time. I would say that one of the things that, that, that it, it helped with Kathy and me is that it, it developed a mindset of have a plan and then don't have a plan. Here's what I mean. As you write God's word on your heart, plan to strategically tell your kids at the right times, right? Whether it's in the morning, when they wake up, when you're praying. Um, for us, it meant we, we wanted to have a quiet time. 
individually because that was how we started. And then if our kids saw us, great. Kathy would have it in the morning and the kids were, I would be at work, they're home from school, before school or whatever, and they'd see her. And she'd either say, hey, come here, I'll, t- I'll tell you what's going on, or hey, give me some space so we can talk about it. Why don't you have your own quiet time? That was a training ground for them. Why don't you read a story for two, three minutes, and then you can do something age appropriate. And then you can go play, but give me some time, and then we'll talk about it later. That's kind of a basic one, right? But at night, one of the times that I cherished after getting kids jumping to me and catching them is at night would be reading scripture to them. Did we do this every night? No. But I remember so many nights where we'd have the, the reader Bible, right? The age, age appropriate Bible and show pictures and tell stories and read the stories. That was huge. And that was a mainstay of our night. Many of you do this already. I get it. But one of the things that I thought really helped us is that we moved from the reader to the real scripture, to the full story as quick as possible. Now, I'd edit out certain words, you know, that were age appropriate as I'm reading. But one of the things that when you open up your copy of scripture and, and you're reading it and, you, and, you're, and you're showing them the story, you get more detail. You get the whole context and you can tell here's what's going on and here's, here's what's going on and you get to see the reality of life. There's a lot of junk in the scripture, right? What I love about, I think one of the kind of strengths of scripture is that it doesn't hide the sinfulness of man, the ugliness of our sin. I'll tell you, one of my favorite stories and books to read as we did it kind of in planned was the book of Judges. You're thinking in your mind, first of all, maybe I don't know what's in Judges. That's okay. Second of all, if you know what's in Judges, you're thinking, you told that to your kids? The book of Judges is the ugliest book in scripture. It has death. It has evil. It has ugly death. The Israelites are in the cycle of sin and repentance, and then they worship, and then they get arrogant again. They start sinning again, and that's all in the scope of Judges, but mostly sin. In fact, it ends, the book of Judges ends with the statement, and Israel did not have a king, and they did what was right in their own eyes. Metaphor saying they sinned every single way they could. Oh, the conversations that we had when I talked about Ehud, the future judge, stabbing Eglon, the big fat king of Moab. You can't make this stuff up. In fact, that's the point. Let God set the agenda. Read scripture with God setting the agenda of the topic. You'll be amazed at the types of conversations that come out. It's ridiculous, it's fun, it's awesome, even though it's difficult. Where else can you read a story of a man after God's own heart, David, stealing a woman from another man, planning it, having a child with that other woman, killing the husband of that woman? This is a man after God's own heart? Are you kidding me? I thought he was supposed to be perfect. Nope. Clearly not. And then you get to see the story of a great friend. I don't know if Nathan would have called himself the greatest friend of David, but he was charged by God to go tell him, David, you're being a real big dork right now. Times 10. 
the faithfulness of a man named Nathan to go and reveal the sin in a guy who's blinded by sin. Don't you need that? I do. I need a friend who's willing to tell me, you're being a dork times 10, and you need to repent. And then where else are you going to see the restoration of that man who's done all this crap, restored, forgiven, and put back into place? And then having him write beautiful songs of repentance and beautiful songs of praise in the Psalms. You can't find that in any other piece of literature, human. It's got to be superhuman. It's divine. So we would read scripture and we'd read it in order and planned and see what happens. Secondly, it's got to be planned, but it's got to also be unplanned. 1 Peter 3.15 says, I think I have this on, your, on the screen too. Peter says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared, prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Doesn't this first start with your kids? Dad, why are you, why are you a Christian? Dad, why do we go to church? Dad, why do we do this? Why do we read the Bible? Why, 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 why? They ask all the why questions. And then we'll be prepared to, to share that with the world. But have it be natural. Have it just kind of just jump out. I, I wish I remembered the gentleman that told me this. But he said, be so full of the Holy Spirit that when people bump into you, you splash. When people bump into you with a question, why are you a Christian? Why do you do this? You'll have God's word in you to pass it on. Be prepared, and here's the deal. Expect the unexpected. Right? Isn't that what Moses is saying? Do it all the time. Write it on your, write it on your heart. Be ready. Talk about it all the time, whenever you are, wherever you are, whenever you're outside, inside, running, walking, whatever. Sick, healthy. I have an amazing story that, that, that reminds me of it was a joy, and, and sometimes I, I'm going to encourage you guys to pray that God would give you an opportunity to see his work in your kids, because this is what happened to us. I'm sitting at our table, our kitchen table, and three feet away is a sliding glass door out to our patio, and there's a, there's a landing and then two more steps down to the patio, and Josh, I don't know, he eight, nine years old or so, he's standing on that little landing with a buddy of his. And I could hear them talking because the screen was open and just, it was kind of neat. And, and, and at some point, the, the discussion gets to God. And his buddy says, hey, I'm not even sure if God exists. And Josh, Josh does one of these, puts his arm around his buddy. And he points at the beautiful trees. It was a beautiful day. Sunshine, a little bit of clouds. It was one of those beautiful summer days. He's doing this, Luke, dude, check out the beauty there. The trees are unbelievable. And the, and the sky is unbelievable. It's awesome. That couldn't have happened by chance. There's got to be a creator. Oh, my goodness. He's taking God's word and passing it on. That's amazing. Seared in my memory. God gives you those. So pray for that. Prepare your children. And, and 
and that'll happen. God will do some amazing things, whether you do it right or not, because then we have to be real, guys. I, we said it, Drew said it, everybody said it here. One of the great things about this church is it's okay not to be okay. And there are so many times that I know that I've dropped the ball, I've, I've blundered, I whatever. Um, and don't expect to be perfect. And, and one of the greatest illustrations of that in our family with, with training up a child in the way he should go is that big animal called family devotion time. How many of you have said, oh, your families have to have a devotion? Do you have a family devotion? Are you guys doing it weekly? What are you doing? And when I grew up, the church that we were in, that's, that's all it was. Hey, do you have your family devotion time? And I felt this just huge pressure. In fact, we were talking, the elders at, the, at one of our meetings, we were just saying, like, none of us did that. We stunk at it. Well, in the Christian world, that's supposed to be the dad's job, right? And I'm quoting Christian world. It's supposed to be a mini chapel, a Sunday school, uh, Sunday church light like this, right? Sit down, maybe have a song or three. That didn't happen. Plus, I can't sing. And I felt tremendously guilty. It just didn't work. It was painful. Our kids hated it. Um, my wife hated it, and she was gentle with me saying, hey, well, shut her down. <laughs> it took me a while to understand it. Um, so we need to be okay with it. Not everything's going to work, and I can't be like the Joneses. Be first to say, you know what, that's not going to work. And, and then by extension, be first to, to acknowledge your own sin. I think one of the things that I learned, and I didn't do it perfect, but I did it a lot, was I was the first one to say I was sorry to my kids when I blundered. Um, be first to seek forgiveness. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. That's the NIV. I love the NIV version of this one. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Why do you ask that I bring up this verse? Well, it was me. Boys and I were playing one time, and we're having a lot of fun, and I'm having much more fun than they are. And I keep pushing and prodding and doing something, and, it, and I didn't see it. But Drew, basically, he dropped the mic on me. <laughs> He said, Dad, you're exasperating me. <laughs> At the same time, I was so proud that he was ready to share God's word with me and be a little bit of my Nathan. I don't think he understood he was Nathaning me. Is that a term? But he did. And at the second point, I, I was proud of him, and then I was cut to the quicks. Like, yeah, I was being a jerk. And I needed to ask forgiveness, acknowledge my sin to him right there. You're right. I don't know if you remember that. I do. That's the way it is. Be real. Be, be first to acknowledge sin. Be first to seek forgiveness. And then be first to give forgiveness. Because you know what's going to happen? Kids are going to be dorky. My wife sinned against me just as I sinned against her. And I think one of the greatest ways I could lead our family was to, to be about Seeking forgiveness and giving forgiveness. That's part of God's command. That's living it out. So my last reminder to all of us answers the ultimate why question. Why does this matter? Why do we do this? Why? Why does Moses tell us this stuff? Well, he actually gave us the answer in verse 3. Remember I read verse 4 through 9? Let's read verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel... Be careful to do these things, the commands that I've given you. 
that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord and the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing of milk and honey. Here's the picture of the Heavenly Father. He wants it to go well with us. I know it hasn't gone well with many of us. Drew mentioned earlier, some of you came from a bad situation, maybe an absent father or a negative father or an imperfect father. Yes, he was imperfect. How are you doing at forgiving and working through that? I pray that, that you do. Mostly, and we can do this because we have a heavenly father who wants it to go well with us. He wants us to multiply. And that means families. It means multiplying our joy and our passion. It means multiplying as we tell others that don't yet know Christ about his goodness. He wants us to multiply and he wants us to go well with us. As we love God with everything that we are, as we memorize, as we pass on his truth to other people, to this next generation, starting with our kids, and as we live out these commands of seeking forgiveness and granting forgiveness, it'll go well. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are the perfect Father. Thank you for giving us your word, your, your commands that show us your character and how to live. We need your grace and mercy. We need your forgiveness and we need you to cover our weaknesses and our past. We need you to heal us from past and present pain. We need you to show yourself strong, fill in the gaps where our earthly relationships fail. We need you to give us your strength to pass your truth on to the next generation. In all things, Lord, we need you. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for hearing us and never leaving us. And to you be the glory forever and ever. Amen.